There we go. Gospel according to Mark chapter number 5. All right, Mark chapter number 5 is where we'll be this morning. Mark chapter 5 this morning. And that many, many of you know, as we are going through this study together, we started on Wednesdays, but we're going to uh, continue it on the Sundays. We're going through the miracles of Christ. And on Wednesday evenings, I've decided to go through the book of Galatians. So if you want to hear that study, you've got to come on Wednesday, on Wednesday evenings, and I encourage you to do that. But, uh, but on Sunday mornings, we're going through the uh, miracles of, of Christ, all right? And each time we come to a new one, I want to do this. I want to remind us of the great purpose behind these great events of Scripture that we call the miracles of Lord Jesus Christ, all right? So keep in mind as we come to this, keep in mind the purpose behind them. It was not for a show or a spectacle such as King Herod wanted to see. It wasn't a magic show. That's what he was hoping to see and hoping to expect. That's not what the purpose was about. And the purpose behind these was not to draw a following, though many people followed Jesus because of what he did and what he could do. But that wasn't the main purpose. The main purpose was not, not just to show, not just to show the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, though in each and, each and every one of them, each single one of them, you see the mighty power of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's not the main purpose. The main purpose is not even, not even just to help people, though Jesus did a lot of that. Every miracle, you can see him helping, helping people. His healing or his helping ministry, you see that in his miracles. But that's not the main purpose behind them. Rather, the main purpose behind them is what I see is this. The main purpose behind these miracles is to prove and to point to who Jesus really is. It's to prove that He is the Son of God. It's to prove that He is God come in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. That's the Lord Jesus. It's to prove that He is the Messiah, the Christ, the Almighty. Here's what John said. The Apostle John said about these signs and wonders, these signs and miracles. John chapter 20, verse 30 through 31. And many other signs did Jesus, truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written. We have these miracles. We have these signs recorded. Why? These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. So here's the reason behind all the miracles of Christ that you may see He's the Son of God, that He is God come in the flesh, He is the Messiah, He is the Christ, and that you believe on Him as your Savior, have life through His name, and let the church say amen right there. So that's why they come, all right? I, you can say amen right, right there. Okay, just making sure you're with me, all right? Don't fall asleep just yet. Just got started, man. Come on. All right, so <clears throat> this is with the purpose behind the miracles of Christ. They are exciting to see, exciting to see His power, but don't miss His person of who He is. Let the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ draw you to Himself. Let these miracles, really all of Scripture, bring you to Jesus, all right? And let's look at another one this, this, this morning. It will be in Mark chapter 5 and verses 21 through 24, and then jump down to verse 35 through 43. And if you'd like to uh, make, a, make a mark in the margin of your Bible, you'll also find this event recorded for us as well in Matthew chapter 9, verse 18 through 26, and Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 56. All right, but we'll mainly stay in Mark chapter 5 this morning. So look at it with me. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. The Bible says, <clears throat> And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him. He was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. 
I pray thee, come, lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. All right, now jump down to verse number 35. All right. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the, the, the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, meaning Peter, James, and John, and entereth into where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and saith unto her, Teletha kumai, which is being interpreted damsel, I say unto thee, Arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. This is a mighty miracle that Christ has, is performed, has performed here. This is the, uh, the second miracle that we find in Scripture of Him raising someone back from the dead. But from this portion of Scripture and from this miracle, I would like to take note of a few things. The first one being this. I want you to, to see and notice Jairus himself. And just so you know, being transparent with you this morning, I will want to continue calling him Jairus. But that's not how you say his name. There is no I after the R. It comes before the R. So it's, it's Jairus. All right, anyway. But notice Jairus himself, all right? First, I want you to see that the Bible says about Jairus that he was a ruler of the synagogue. Now, what does this mean? What does this mean about this man, Jairus? This meant... This man was chosen by the religious leaders of the day to care for the arrangements of the synagogue services. To care for the arrangements of the services of the synagogue itself. It'd be like, it'd be like myself taking care of the arrangements of getting the music in order, who's praying, uh, this, that, and that kind of thing, right? Uh, so that's what he'd be doing, getting the services in order. That meant for the synagogue, that meant that he would recite the Shema. What does that mean? All right. The Shema is this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 4. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Look, they recite that every time in a synagogue service. And really, as Jewish individuals, they recite it every day and many times a day. But they recite the Shema. All right. What else would he do? As a leader of the synagogue, he would offer prayers or have someone to offer prayers. He would be the one who would stand and read parts of the Old Testament or of the law of the Torah. He would have uh, someone do that or he himself would do that. Also, he would be in charge of having someone come and give the message or give the sermon in the synagogue. And sometimes that would be uh, other teachers, other um, instructors of the law and of the Old Testament that would be in the area. That's why you see Jesus coming to different synagogues and he was given the invitation to stand and to read, to read the portion of Scripture and to give the interpretation thereof or to give the message from that portion of Scripture. You can find that in uh, Mark chapter... Mm, I can't remember which one now. Anyway, when he was in Nazareth and he came to the synagogue and they gave him the portion of Scripture to read because why? He was a teacher, a master 
of the law. You can also see that in um, the life of Paul and, Paul and Barnabas as they went from city to city. And each time they come to a new city on their missionary journeys, they would come to a synagogue. Why? Because they have something in common. They, they were, themselves were Jewish people coming to the synagogue. And it'd be the, the ruler of that synagogue would give Paul and Barnabas a portion of the Old Testament to read and again to give the sermon. What would they preach about? Jesus. Amen. Why? Because you can find him all throughout the Old Testament as well. Somebody say amen. But listen, that's what this man would do. He'd be the ruler of the synagogue. He was, he was, in, he was in charge of having the services to go in a, in a right order. So he'd been in charge of a synagogue in his town. He'd be a leader of the synagogue in his town. It could be very well possible this town is around, or could be itself Capernaum, or at least close by Capernaum, because this is where a lot of ministry is happening right now with the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, I say all that to say this. Since he was a ruler of the synagogue, this meant he had been closely, closely tied to the other religious rulers and leaders as well. No doubt he probably would have been tight with the Pharisees of the day. He'd had close, uh, close fellowship with them of, of the day, the Pharisees of the day. And we already know how the Pharisees felt about Jesus. Here's what the Bible says in Mark chapter number 3 and verse number 6. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, against who? That's Jesus. How they might destroy him, destroy Jesus. The Pharisees hated the Lord so much they wanted to destroy Him. What does that mean? They wanted to wipe out any kind of record that would ever exist about the Lord Jesus Christ. They wanted to destroy Him. But why? Why did they want to destroy the Lord Jesus? Because Jesus has already pointed out their hypocrisy about, about them following their traditions rather than the actual Word of God. He's already pointed that out. So he has rubbed them wrong, my friends, and they hate him for it. So, since Jairus was a leader of the synagogue, since he was a leader of the synagogue and possibly closely acquainted with the Jewish leaders and Pharisees of the day, would it reason in your logic with me this morning that he himself could have at least been influenced by these Pharisees and possibly himself, at least at the very beginning, could be, have the same disdain for the Lord Jesus Christ, at least in the beginning, at least. Especially with the influence of the Pharisees on the leaders of the synagogue of the day. No doubt been talked about, maybe have talked about some of his miracles, but talked about in a hated, in a hated way. Jairus, he was a ruler of the synagogue. That's who he was. But I want you to see this as well, especially in our text. I want you to see how he was. He was humbled. He was a humbled man. Yes, he was a ruler of the synagogue, but now, as we see in our text, he was a humbled man. The verse number 22 says this, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Jairus fell at Jesus' feet. He, that means he descended from a higher place to a lower place. He threw himself down. He threw himself down at the very feet of Jesus as his last ditch effort to help his little girl. Let me ask you something. If you saw a man throw, literally throw himself, cast himself at a man's feet, would you say that's a humble individual? I would say absolutely. 
He is very humbled at this moment. He's no longer, maybe at one time he was against the Lord, but no, no longer is. He's actually in need of the Lord. He was no longer standing in pride, but rather he is on his face in humility. This man was humbled, but what, what made this man or caused this man, this Jewish ruler, to come to Jesus, listen, in a very public manner like this? This is not a private meeting with Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says, is thronged with people. There's a great multitude of people around Jesus. The Bible says much people gathered around Jesus. So, so Jairus, knowing he could very well, as he does this, casts him feet cast himself at the feet of Jesus, knows very well he himself could be cast out of the synagogue and even as a leader, especially a leader of the synagogue and incur the wrath of the Pharisees. He knows if he does this publicly, he could be cast aside. But what made him, what made him cast all of that pride aside and cast himself and come to Jesus? It was this. It was a devastating circumstance of life that was out of his control that did this, listen, that got his attention. Look at Mark chapter 5, verse 23. Look at verse 23. He cast, him at his, cast himself at his, Jesus' feet, verse 23, and besought him, that's Jesus, greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed, and she shall, shall live. It was this devastating circumstance that got his attention of his little girl being sick to the point of death. We don't know how long she'd been sick. We don't know what kind of sickness it was. All we know, it was close to the point of death. And all we know, and all all Jairus knew, it was out of his hands and he needed desperate help. And this circumstance got his attention fast. And it brought him to Jesus even faster. I'm reminded of a story of uh, our farmer's mule. The farmer, he, he really boasted about his mule, how he said, look, this mule I have, man, it's, it's a wonderful mule. It'll obey my every command. When I say sit, it sits. When I say, all right, Bessie, come here, it comes. When I say, all right, Bessie, go get in the harness, and it, it backs up into, into the harness. I mean, this mule is an amazing mule, and it's for sale. So the neighbor heard about it and said, man, I want that mule. I need a good mule. So the neighbors came over and said, all right. I'm going to give you the money that you want for the mule. He bought the mule. The next day, the neighbor tried to work that mule. He said, all right, Bessie, sit down. But nothing. That old mule didn't do anything. All right, Bessie, come here now. Get in the harness. Come on now. Get in that harness. The mule just stared at him. Did nothing. And so the neighbor began to think, man, this old farmer, he has cheated me out of the money and gave me old broke down mule. I wanted to shoot this thing. But before I do... I'm going to go see if I can get my money back from the farmer. So he goes to the farmer and tells him the problem. He said, look, man, you gave me a mule that you said obeys your every command, does this and that, and it ain't done nothing yet. And the farmer's like, well, really? That's very odd. It obeys everything I tell it to do. Let me come see it. So the farmer comes over to the neighbor's house, and he, he begins to look at the, at, the, at the mule, and he looks at the neighbor, and he had something in his hand, and the neighbor thought maybe it was his money, he's going to give it back to him. But instead of the money in his hand, he saw this. It was a two-by-four. The farmer walks up to the mule and square between the eyes, whacks that mule right in the head and then says, come here, Bessie. The mule came up to him and sat down. All right, Bessie, back up into the harness. Mule backs up right into the harness. The neighbor was confused, terrified, and everything else in between. 
He said, good night, man. What was that all about? What'd you, what, what was a two-by-four about? He said, oh, a two-by-four is nothing. That's just to get her attention. Look, sometimes God has to get our attention before we listen. How many know what I'm talking about? Good, I'm glad I'm not alone, all right? There's times in our lives God has to get our attention. And I believe in this moment, Jairus, his whole focus and attention is on the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because of something he has gone through he did not expect to ever face in his life. No parent ever, ever wants to bury a, a child. It's a natural. You don't expect that. But God got his attention through the circumstance that was out of his control. I'm reminded of many testimonies in my life I've heard of uh, how God got someone's attention. I'm reminded of a friend of mine. I've told you this one before, but it's hilarious to me, and I'm always going to tell it. But a friend of mine, his name was Joseph Francis Stouder III. We call him Bubba. <clears throat> anyway, that's how you know he's from, uh, uh, from the South, and more specifically, Mobile, Alabama. Amen. All right, Brother Ralph. But, uh, but anyway, and uh, he gave a testimony one day. And we were talking about how God got our attention and got us, called us into the ministry and those kind of things. And he said, well, I want to tell you mine. And if he started out, the first thing he said is, God sunk my shrimping boat. And I'm like, I got to hear this story. And began to tell the story how literally his, his boat sunk to the bottom of the Gulf there. And uh, as he was, he was a shrimp, shrimper, uh, I guess that's what you call him, but anyway. And he was clinging to a buoy for his life until finally he got rescued. But it was in that moment as he's clinging to the buoy, he called out to God and surrendered his life to the Lord. He knew God had been dealing with him, working his heart about doing this and that. But God finally had to give his attention to sink everything he owned right there, to sink his shrimping boat. Let me ask you a question this morning before we go any further. Does God have your attention? That's something you can only answer yourself. Does God have your attention? At this moment, as we see Jarius, man, God has it all. His total focus, his total attention to everything at this moment. Jarius, he's a ruler. This guy was full of Maybe full of himself, full of pride, full of uh, religious hypocrisy or whatnot. But God got his attention and humbled him. And he came to Jesus. So that's a little bit, of, little bit about Jairus. But then I want to see this in our text. I want to see this. I want to see the heartbreak. The heartbreak. And of course, again, the heartbreak of Jairus. Now, I want you to try to imagine with me. Uh, try to imagine with me at this moment that he's come to Jesus and says, Look, Jesus, I need you to come down to my house. Put your hands upon my daughter and, and heal her of this sickness she has. She's at the point of death. Please come. And as Jesus agrees, he comes down, starts to come down to the Jairus' house. And in the midst of coming down, there was a woman who touched his garment. And of course, in that moment, we, we looked at that a portion of Scripture and that miracle last week about the healing of the lady who had the infirmity or had the, um, had the issue of blood for 12 years. We looked at that. But we don't know how long that event took place. We don't know if it was moments Minutes, hours, we don't know. But some time has passed. Enough time to have passed that an individual from the house of Jairus has come to meet where Jairus is, where Jesus is, and says these words. Look at it with me in verse, in verse number 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Can you imagine with me what, what Jairus must have thought when he heard these words. Can you imagine what he, what he, what he thought? What, what do you mean she's, what do you mean she's dead? She can't, 
She can't be, she can't be dead. This is my little girl, my only little girl. She can't be, be dead. Maybe after the initial shock, maybe some anger set in. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I'd have been that same way, angry at the woman with the issue of blood who, who, who in her selfishness would have stopped and, and touched Jesus and, and, and put a pause on Him coming down to my house. It was all her fault. You know, in our human nature, we're going to blame somebody, right? He was shocked. Maybe anger set in. Maybe all these things rushed through his mind. But upon, upon hearing these dreadful words of, Thy daughter is dead. But I love what Jesus said. During the midst of this initial, his, his heart began to break. It's interesting what Jesus said to Jairus after hearing, hearing the, the, the news of his death of his daughter. He says this, look at it with me. Verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler, said unto Jairus, be not afraid, only believe. I love what Jesus said, be not afraid. You see, we can only guess the thoughts that went through Jairus' mind, but we know that this debilitating emotion of fear was about to take over his mind and heart. Because listen, fear will cause your heart to break, your mind to question. It'll cause you to lose hope in so much more. Maybe you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've felt that emotion before. But this is how Jairus felt. No doubt fear began to overtake his heart and mind. He was about to break. But in a pivotal moment, at this, at this second, at this time, he heard these comforting words from a compassionate Savior, Be not afraid. This tells me that Jairus was starting to fear. He was starting to fear. But Jesus tells him, Stop it. Be not Afraid. Jesus is telling him to stop an action that's already in progress. Jairus, stop being scared. Don't be afraid. But this was going on in his heart. It was starting to. But what was going to stop it? Not, it couldn't just be, don't be afraid. But what's going to stop it? What will get us out of fear? What will derail fear? Verse 36 again. Here it is. Be not afraid. Here it is. Look at it. Underline it. Highlight it. Only Believe. Only believe. Can I encourage you to do something this morning? In the midst of your fear, can you activate your faith? <laughs> in the midst of fear, believe. Here's what Jesus was telling Jairus in the most heartbreaking of all of his times at this moment. was terrifying of all times he'd had up to this moment. He was saying to the ruler of the synagogue, Stop fearing and start believing. Stop fearing and start faithing. It's not a word, but it is now. You know what I'm saying. Anyway, start believing. Stop fearing. Start believing. Don't let fear overtake you. Rather, let the Lord feel you. Listen, Jesus was appealing to the will of this ruler of the synagogue. Stop this and start this. And really, in a way, Jairus was already starting to believe the Lord. You know why? Because he was there too when he saw the woman with the issue of blood uh, being, being taken care of by Jesus Christ uh, for 12 years. Listen, this would have resonated with Jairus. For 12 years she had suffered with this. How old was Jairus' daughter? 12 years. All this would have resonated with Jairus. And so he's seeing these things take place as he's waiting for Jesus to come down to his house. So no doubt his faith began to grow until he heard the words, thy daughter is dead. Maybe his faith began to wane. And Jesus, knowing this, says, Jairus, don't be afraid. Only believe. Keep believing. Continue your faith in me. I can do it. Keep believing. Look, you know what's going to stop your fear? 
your trust in Jesus Christ. It sounds a lot like what the disciples were going through in John chapter 14. The Bible says this. As Jesus is explaining to them, he's about to go away. Their hearts began to break, began to fear. Here's what he tells them. Let not, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God. Believe also in me. Believe the Lord Jesus Christ. Jairus was heartbroken. He was scared to death. But what was his answer to it all? Only believe. Trust Christ. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Has Jairus ever seen someone raised back from the dead? No. He was not there when the boy at Nain was raised from the dead. Maybe you heard about it. I don't know. But he's not seeing that. But he did just see a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years healed with but a touch of his garment. So that tells me Jairus has seen enough to continue to trust, to continue to believe, and continue to rest upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, you may be here this morning, your faith began to wane in certain, certain things of life, or whatever it may be, but I wanted to encourage you again to think back. You have seen enough. You've seen God come through enough. God bless enough. The goodness of God enough. That should continue and carry you on through this next moment of fear. You've seen enough. Continue on. What was his answer to his fear? Only believe. Trust in Jesus. Jesus is always the answer. He was always the answer then. He's always going to be the answer now. Are you all awake this morning? Okay. So make sure. He's always the answer. Always. All right. So not only do we see that Jairus, his heart was broken, there's others around here as well. As Jesus gets closer to Jairus' house, the leader of the synagogue's house, there's other people weeping and mourning. They were weeping and crying. The Bible calls it in verse 38 a tumult. What does that mean? That means loud. I'm talking about loud crying. Now, who here are your, your parents? Anybody, anybody here, you, you have kids. All right. We do as well. And when your kids cry, you know when there's a fake cry and a real cry. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. And some of your parents are already smiling because you know exactly what I'm talking about. The fake cries, you're like, you listen, you're like, mm, ain't nobody hurt. Probably just mad. Y'all quieting down in there. That's your answer, right? But when you know the real, real cry is this, it starts out, at least in our house, it starts out with a loud scream, followed by a pause as they're sucking in every bit of air that's in Fletcher. <laughs> when that happens, somebody's hurt. That's a real one. It gets louder, it seems like, you know. There's a lot of tumults going on in the next room when that happens. So I can imagine as the, the scene here, as they come down to Jairus' house, all these people crying in a tumult. There's a loud crying, loud screaming, even just heartbroken people over this little girl who has died. Here at the house of Jairus, a lot of people crying. Could there have been fake crying? Sure, there's professional mourners at this time, yes. But there was also some real tears Lots of crying, lots of commotion, and not quiet about it. But in the midst of this pandemonium, Jesus offers some great comfort. Look at verse 39. 
And when he was come in, that's Jesus, saith unto them, Why make you this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. He is trying to encourage them. Look, she's not dead, but she, she sleeps. I want, to, I want to feel like anyway that this could be, could be, what Jesus may have even mentioned to Jairus. Look, look, she's only believe she's not dead. Only believe. Maybe he's telling them the same thing. She's not dead. Only believe. But notice their response. Verse 40. And they laughed him to scorn. They laughed him. That was their response. Laughed him to scorn. What does that mean? They mocked him. They ridiculed him. They would say something like this. Ha! Sleeping? Are you out of your mind? You're crazy. She's not sleeping. Man, she is D-A-E-D dead. If you're from Appalachia, she is D-E-D dead. She's dead. She's not sleeping. They mocked him. They mocked him. They ridiculed him and laughed him to scorn. That was their response. When Jesus let it be known, hey, look, she's not dead. When Jesus let it be known, hey, look, just, just believe. I don't believe. Trust me. Believe on me. Lean on me. She's not dead. There's a lot of heartbreak here. But Jesus is trying to comfort them and give them the answer, and the answer is him. But I want to see this quickly. I want to see this wonderful experience here. This experience, look at verse number 40. They laughed him to scorn, but when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth into where the damsel, damsel was lying. He took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumai, which is being interpreted damsel. I say unto thee, arise. And straightway. The damsel rose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. He charged them straightly that no man should know it and command that something should be given her to, to eat. So understand and look at this lastly, this experience. This would have been absolutely amazing to be a part of. Absolutely amazing to see. <clears throat> Who here would have loved to have seen this? Anybody? Man, I would have loved to have seen this. It would have been something amazing to experience this, to see really as Jairus, really as a daddy, all right, with daughters. I would have loved to have, well, I don't, I don't want to go through that. But anyway, at this moment, okay, at this moment, it had been amazing to see. Yes, yes, his heart w- w- was crushed. His greatest fears was, was realized, but he may have been the lowest of low at the moment, yes, but with a word and with but a touch of her hand, she's back to life, back to herself, all again because Jesus is the answer. This would have been absolutely amazing. Even the Bible says how amazing it was to them. Look at verse 42. And straightway the damsel arose, walked, for she was at the age of 12 years. And here it is. And they, look at this experience. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. Astonished with a great astonishment. This would have been, this would have been a person uh, at this moment kind of giving the idea of a person who was thrown into a state of mind that was blended with fear and wonderment. You know what the redneck interpretation of that is? Here it is. I'm going to show you. Their mind was... Blown, man. Their mind was blown. Absolutely blown away by this. Here's, what, here's maybe the, their face would have been like this. As, as he said, uh, uh, Talithai, Kumai, damsel, I say, rise. And she gets up. Mom and daddy, maybe they were on their knees. This is the bed, okay? This looks like a bed, right? Maybe on their knees and, and they're around their, around their daughter. And all of, a sudden, all of a sudden, he raised her up and he, they're looking. Susie? 
looks at Jesus, just speechless at the amazing work of Jesus Christ. Astonished, with great astonishment, their mind was blown. But here's what I want you to see from that. In the beginning of this miracle, we will find out that much people followed Jesus. All 12 disciples were there. Many people from the area, much people thronged him. They're just surrounding him. That, that word throng gives the idea that they were just, everybody's up touching against. There's so many people he can't hardly walk. He's just kind of rolling off people, right? Many people. But how many saw this? How many got to experience this? I'll tell you, five Five people got to be in this same room and experience this amazing event. But the question I have to ask is why? Why just these five? Why only three disciples and a mom and dad? Why? I'm going to tell you why. Here it is. Out of all the crowd that day, the multitudes that day, here's why they were there. They, I believe, they believed the Lord. They believed that Jesus would perform the very word he said he would do. They believed. They trusted him. What is it that Jesus, or why was it that Jesus could not do any great thing among his own kin, among his own people in his own town of Nazareth? Why was it? Mark chapter number 6 tells us. He could there do no mighty work. Why? Because of their unbelief. That's why. They didn't believe him. They didn't trust him. Unbelief. So they got to see this mighty miracle of Christ. Why? Because they believed he could do it. They believed him. Their faith. They believed him. Their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to fulfill his word to them personally. They believed. As Jesus told Jairus, be not afraid, only believe. They believed. And because of their faith in Christ, they got to experience something absolutely Amazing. You may be needing something amazing in your life, a breakthrough, whatever it may be. I don't know. I can't, if I start listing things, I'll miss it, I know. But you just need something in your life. It can only come from the Lord. Have you asked Him? And are you trusting Him? Because I want to remind you, as I look again at this miracle from Scripture, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing. Nothing. But what hinders Him working in our life is this, unbelief. Yeah, he did those things back then, but. Yeah, he helped so-and-so, but. Look, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. I love studying the miracles of Christ. And in this chapter alone, in chapter number 5 of Mark, we saw three of them. And these, uh, these, these miracles here, and these, these three miracles in Mark, Mark chapter number 5, really amazing to me. And you say, why is that amazing to you? Because of the things he did, and the healing he'd done, and casting out the devil, and, and raising this, this young lady back to the life. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. But here's, here's really what's amazing to me. Because it gets down to where we live right now, all right? Here's why it's amazing to me. These individuals, demon-possessed man, desperate woman in need of healing from her issue of blood, and a dying daughter, it's amazing to see that these three individuals come from three different social classes. They come from three different uh, backgrounds. They had different needs, had different hurts, different ages, different generation. She's a young one. 
different. Everything was different. Yet Jesus made himself available to every single one of them. He made all the difference in their life. Jesus, I want to tell you again, I said it earlier, Jesus really is the answer to everything and everyone. I know it's a very broad answer, but it's true. A lot of details go into that, but it's always going to be about Christ. Let these miracles bring you to Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's made himself available to everyone and for everyone. He's here for you. But will you come to him? Come to him. Come to him. The woman, issue of blood, came to him. Jairus came to him. Will you do the same? Because when you do, he'll make all the difference in the world, in your life.